because if we don't stop this now, we can not only forget our republic and our freedom, but we can forget humanity because we'll be killed by this agenda. So Anthony Fauci. My name is uh, Dr. Tony Fauci. I'm the director of the... The man who is heading the pandemic task force was involved in a cover-up. He directed the cover-up. And in fact, everybody else was paid off and paid off big time. Millions of dollars in funding from Tony Fauci, Tony Fauci's organization, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease. These investigators that committed the fraud continue to this day to be paid big time by the NIAID. And the whole world is listening to his advice for how to handle this current pandemic. How do we know that what he's saying is what we need to be learning? What he's saying is absolute uh, propaganda and, and the same kind of propaganda that he's perpetrated to kill millions since 1984. And they'll kill millions as they already have with their vaccines. There is no vaccine currently on the schedule for any RNA virus that works. Do you believe that this virus was created in a laboratory? I wouldn't use the word created, but you can't say naturally occurring. Wealth destruction for the middle class will be enormous. This is a very difficult thing to say because I know so many people are concerned about their position in the world right now. They've worked hard perhaps for a living. They've uh, started a business some years ago. Maybe they've uh, been very successful or not so successful, but it's still their business. And they're concerned about what's coming. Well, what's happened this year is that the global economic system has been intentionally crushed by these technocrats who know that in order for their technocracy to operate, capitalism and free enterprise must die. The true head, represented by these technocrats, they're the ones that are manipulating politicians. Look at all the white coats standing behind the prime ministers of the world, like the you know people like Anthony Fauci, standing behind the president when he's giving a speech, arms crossed, looking down his nose, whatever. There's one of those for every country in the world. These are the technocrats. They're using these like puppets on a string. And they succumb to it every time because it's, well, it's the science. You have to follow the science, don't you know? How can you say something? What, are you anti-science or what? Well, you know, politicians aren't maybe aren't the brightest bulbs in the pack, but they just go right along with it. At the conclusion of the case and after you have heard all the evidence, we are confident that you will recommend indictments against all six putative figurehead defendants, Christian Drosten of Germany, Anthony Fauci, the United States, Tedros of the World Health Organization, Bill Gates, BlackRock and Pfizer. Ladies and gentlemen, this case is about a long-planned agenda of a group of ultra-rich people and their financial mafia based in the city of London and on Wall Street to use a pseudo-pandemic as a guise behind which, while our attention is on the pandemic, they want to complete their decades-long efforts to gain full and complete control over all of us. 
There are numerous platforms on which this group has been meeting and discussing this agenda, but the most important one is that of the World Economic Forum, which was invented in 1971 by a then 33-year-old Klaus Schwab. Its members are a thousand global corporations with at least five billion US dollars in annual sales, politicians, media representatives, scientists, and other so-called high-profile personality. They meet once a year in Davos, but there are other such meetings, for example, in China. And since 1992, they have created and presented to us their own group of political leaders for the world. Among the first graduates, as I mentioned before, are Angela Merkel and Bill Gates in 1992. Others are Sebastian Kurz, up until recently Chancellor of Austria, Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, Jacinda Ardern, Prime Minister of New Zealand, François Macron, President of France, and many, many more. This group, which is now called the Davos clique, is openly, the publication The Great Reset by Klaus Schwab is one of the most important sources for this information, promoting the shifting of the world's assets to this group of super rich people so that in 2030, ordinary people will own nothing and be happy, as it explicitly states there, under their one world government with a digital currency given to us by their one world bank and they're also openly promoting in close cooperation with people like the putative defendant bill gates the rockefellers and others the drastic reduction of the world's population and the manipulation of the remaining population's dna all the way into transhumanism their most important goal is however the controlled by them, of course, implosion of the completely looted financial system and simultaneous introduction of a digital currency issued by One World Bank controlled by them, and just as important, the introduction of a world government under the UN which has come under their full control in 2019. For this purpose, they have made concrete plans for this corona pandemic since at least the spring of 2001, Operation Dark Winter followed by another such rehearsal, the lockstep exercise by the Rockefeller Foundation in 2010, and finally, Event 201 in October of 2019 in New York, sponsored by the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, the Rockefeller Foundation, the World Economic Forum, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. We are experimenting on our fellow human beings, and out of fear, people are grasping for that because this is what people do. When the towers are blown up on 9-11, which I can empathize with because I was supposed to be there, the people surrendered their privileges for protection. Surrendering your privileges for protection neither allows you to have privileges nor protection. The Founding Fathers knew that. Benjamin Franklin told the woman who asked when he came out of Philadelphia Hall, what type of government have you provided us? And he said, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. <clears throat> We're also going to hold these people criminally accountable. Are you prepared to testify under oath here today that COVID-19 is a bioweapon? Yes, I am. Fundamental question. If you understand that the spike protein is a gain-of-function bioweapon, 
why would you then replicate that same genetic sequence and put it in a vaccine? I think most people are under the impression that you get an injection in your, in your muscle, that it stays in your muscle, right? Except that's not what happens. The, the, the studies are very clear. The, the lipid nanoparticle influenza vaccine made by Moderna spread to the brain, the bone marrow, the liver, the spleen, the heart, kidneys, the intestine, every part of the animal's body doesn't stay at the site of injection. These things aren't being directly injected into your cells. They're being injected into muscle, which has fluid around the cells that drains out to the rest of your body and gets into your bloodstream where it can have some very serious consequences. Some of the research that we've recently done has looked at the Pfizer, Moderna, and Janssen vaccines and what happens when they are introduced into human blood. We need to hold the people accountable that have been responsible for doing this. They have violated the Biological Weapons Convention Treaty. They have violated the Nuremberg Code. They have violated the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. They have violated the American Medical Association Code of Ethics, which may not be a criminal act, but it's the way I thought we were kind of practicing medicine or we're supposed to practice medicine. Welcome, Patriots. Happy Easter, everybody. Thought I'd start with that promotional video from uh, Dr. Fleming and the Crimes Against Humanity Tour. Uh, it is an exceptional promotional vehicle and a look, or video, and I look forward to uh, attending one of those, probably in Chicago. That's the closest one to me. But today is Easter. Happy Easter, everybody. Today is a day that we reflect on uh, Christ rising from the grave, and it's a good day to look at the state of humanity in general. And the left always says, whenever you talk about COVID, the left always says, well, follow the science, follow the science. But when you follow the science with skilled and very knowledgeable people like Dr. Fleming, uh, they try to then censor you and shut you down rather than actually talk about the science. One thing I've noticed though that I really want to address for those of us that are patriots who really are America first uh, believing uh, Americans and people who are not blind to what's been going on with our, not only our, our country but Western civilization in general and COVID in particular, but there are other things. You look at what the uh, Chinese are doing now in Shanghai, just talking about 
humanity in general here. And one thing I want to say, I've noticed a trend on within our group of people, within the people who want this tyranny to, to be defeated, I've noticed that there are uh, a little, I guess I would call them clicks forming, that people uh, want to discredit other people because your beliefs aren't exactly the same. This has got to stop. We have to band together, regardless if we agree on every little thing or not. We have to, this is a fight of good versus evil. And we have to be uh, organized and we have to be a team on this. And there are a number of people who I've tried to contact or had uh, contact with who suddenly, uh, you know, will try to discredit some people that are out there like, like a Dr. Fleming. Got to stop that because we need to be unified in addressing this. Let me put it this way. So one of the things Dr. Fleming mentioned in that opening was 9-11. We, after 9-11, we fought a war for 20 years. And yes, it was a terrible tragedy. I'll never forget that day till the day I die. Uh, but for 20 years we fought. And less than 3,000 people died, and I don't want to take away from their memory. But what I do want to say is we've got 100,000 people plus dying every year because our border is open and fentanyl is coming across it. We've got now uh, hundreds of thousands of people dead in the United States, millions worldwide, out of this purposely released pandemic. Yet there's apathy. That blows my mind. We cannot be apathetic. We cannot be nitpicking because some people don't believe exactly how we believe on every little issue. We have to be unified. Look to our founding fathers for, for an example. Uh, look at the disagreements between Jefferson and Adams and the letters back and forth. Yet they found common ground to craft most important document that man has ever uh, written in, for governance. Um, and again, you know, the ultimate example is Jesus and what, what Jesus would do in this situation. Uh, we are in a fight of good versus evil. I am going to be right back after a brief ad and we will start an awesome interview. We got a, a great show today, very important show. You want the science, you're going to get the science. We'll be right back with my interview with Dr. Fleming. Hey, Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Our world is full of electromagnetic fields that even though we can't see them, are affecting our bodies, our sleep, and even our ability to think clearly. The advent of 5G is only making this worse. There is an answer. Visit Fix the World by clicking the link in the Patriot Review show description below to view natural products that can actually protect you from EMF and 5G and even improve your sleep. Skeptical? 
get the free Dangers of EMF Radiation ebook free by clicking on its direct link also in the show description. You can also learn more by watching episode 62 of the Patriot Review. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. It's a pleasure to have with me today Dr. Richard Fleming, one of one of the people who I consider a true American patriot, one of the people fighting for for all of us out here in the world as it relates to COVID and everything COVID, the COVID vaccines and everything else. So first of all, welcome, doctor. It's, it is a pleasure to have you on the Patriot Review. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. You're more than welcome. I have been uh, watching you and following you for a while, and I think it's very, very uh, easy to say for me that you are one of the, I, I put you on the same level as Mike Lindell in the spirit of what you're doing and putting yourself out there and uh, really fighting for good. And we seem to be in a battle versus uh, good versus evil these days. So I have uh, a lot of information from you on what you've done, what your projects are, and we'll get to that in a little bit. What I wanted to do first was to try to at least give uh, people the highlights as to where you're coming from, what the science is, and why you're doing what you're doing, and, and what's in the future for you. So uh, first thing first, I'd like to just get some of the facts laid out. So my number one question is, uh, is the United States a signatory on a biological weapons treaty. Yes, we most definitely are. We not only signed it, but we ratified it, which are, is critical because that uh, effectively under Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution means that we must follow that treaty according to the law of the land, the U.S. Constitution. And it means that all of the people then who take an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution are obligated to follow that treaty and no matter who they are, whether they're president of the United States, <clears throat> uh, an appointed official, whether they are the Department of Defense who have sworn an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution, a violation of that oath is treason. So uh, the, the fact that we're a part of that so the, the logical question is, are both the COVID, uh, SARS-2, COVID-19 virus and or the immunizations with the so-called vaccines in your consideration, are, are one or both of those in the bioweapons category? Would you call them that? Right. So SARS-CoV-2, which stands for Severe Acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus number two. And it's not the second coronavirus, it's just received that label. <clears throat> Under gain of function research, which is 
the scientific manipulation of, in this case, a virus to make it more infective or more harmful to people is by virtue of doing that a violation of the Biological Weapons Convention Treaty. Right. The <clears throat> vaccines that are used, the drug vaccine biologics or whatever you want to call them, but that's what they technically are. They're drug vaccine biologics, which means they affect something living. <clears throat> um, carry the code of the spike protein that is a gain of function bioweapon. So by virtue of doing that, they have encoded the weapon and therefore it too is a violation of the Biological Weapons Convention Treaty. So with that logic then, you you have to have this being done purposely, right? So this has to be man-made for that to happen unless they they exposed everybody purposely. So in, in what makes this man-made? You talked about your, the gain of function testing. Right. Uh, so how, what's the proof that that was done? Right. So, and, and I've laid that proof out in several different places. I've laid it out in the book, Is COVID-19 a Bioweapon, a Scientific and Forensic Investigation? I've laid out in that book the details more slightly more than two decades worth of work <clears throat> but the details that show the research that was done where the monies flowed from and to and the patents that were granted at least some of them enough to lay out for the general public reading the book to understand it and i've also uh, considered the book useful as an indictment tool because it provides enough evidence to to prove to a jury that the individuals involved have committed these crimes. <clears throat> so it's in that. In the upcoming tour, uh, Crimes Against Humanity tour that begins two weeks from today, actually in Fort Myers, Florida, will be the first uh, presentation on the 23rd of April. I'm going to walk people through each of the, each of the four of us that are presenting, have 90 minutes, I'm the final speaker. Uh, I'm going to walk people through a history of biological warfare. I'm going to walk you through the steps of what has happened, the research that's been done, the patents that have been granted, the the intentional actions by by um, several parties to manipulate these coronaviruses to make them infective and harmful. <clears throat> and then I'm going to walk you through how this violates a number of treaties, including the Biological Weapons Convention Treaty, the International Covenant on, of Civil and Political Rights, uh, the Nuremberg Code, which the U.S. Uh, was a part of, so therefore we have acquiesced to that being law of the land, to the uh, Code of Helsinki on how uh, patients are to be treated. Uh, it, it violates for physicians the Code of Ethics by the American Medical Association. Um, <clears throat> And we're going to lay all that together and uh, make it so you can track it over a period of time and see what's happened to understand the changes that were made to these spike proteins to increase their ability to infect people. Uh, changes in the spike protein that doesn't exist in any other coronavirus on the planet. Changes that show the insertion of HIV components, human immune deficiency virus components, including glycoprotein 120. And stop, um, stop right there for a second. 
So sure. a lot of people hear about these inserts in, in, mm-hmm. in air quotes, and uh, a lot of people are ridiculed for saying that, you know, they'll end up with AIDS because of this. And it's not, it's not, it's not ending up with AIDS, the disease specifically. Could you clarify that? What are inserts and what are you talking about when you talk about that? Right. So uh, to begin with, let's, so there's a couple of things to go over here. First off, SARS-CoV-2 is a virus. It's not a disease. It's a virus. If you get ill, and I, I talked about this at first in 1994 at American Heart when I brought out how these viruses and other infectious diseases cause what are called inflammo because they cause inflammation, thrombotic because they form blood clots, response. So our immune response will cause this inflammation and blood clotting. That's what's going on. And when that happens and you become severely ill, that is called coronavirus disease, which was first found in 2019, or COVID-19. HIV, human immune deficiency virus, is a virus. And I was a medical student when this hit the scene. If you get ill enough and you have this inflammatory thrombotic response that occurs with all these infections that accompany it, then you get acquired immune deficiency syndrome, which is a disease acronymed AIDS. Mm-hmm. So the virus is one thing. The disease is another thing. Um, <clears throat> so that's the first thing uh, to, to pause and, and point out. Now, when you have a virus, a virus, and we'll just focus in on viruses, okay. um, is a set of genetic codes. It is a set of what's called nucleotide base sequences. So for DNA, it's adenine, thymine, uracil, and, and uh, guanine. And then uh, thymine is replaced, uh, so adenine, thymine, cytosine, and guanine for DNA, and then thymine is replaced with uracil for RNA. So there's four bases, and they go in sequence, and they are used to tell you what amino acid to make, to put in line, they're they're the command sequence, if you will, the code, uh, to say which amino acids to put together. And when you put a bunch of amino acids together, you get a protein, like a spike protein. So when when we talk about these nucleotide-based inserts, we're talking about things being changed or added to what's naturally there in these coronaviruses. So <clears throat> one of the things that's there that's been added to it uh, that Shi Zheng Li, the professor at the Wuhan Institute of Virology that is colloquially known as the bat lady, mm-hmm. um, she inserted glycoprotein 120, which causes prion diseases like spongiform encephalopathy, which means a brain that looks like a sponge, and that is typically referred to as mad cow disease, Uh or it can cause Alzheimer's disease, or it can cause amyloidosis, which is a disease of the heart and liver and other organs. They're abnormal proteins is what a prion disease is, which means you, you take a prion and you bring it into the presence of a normal protein, and it changes that normal protein into something abnormal, and it does it permanently, and it causes these diseases. So <clears throat> glycoprotein 120 was an insert that made it, that's critical to allow this SARS-CoV-2 to attach and swing up to the ACE2 receptor. There's four inserts called PRRA. So in 
science and in medicine, these amino acids are all given a letter of the alphabet so that we don't have to keep writing out the whole word. <clears throat> Most doctors don't know how to write these, these amino acids anyway. Um, so P stands for proline, R is for arginine, and uh, PRAA is for alanine. So PRRA is proline, arginine, arginine, alanine. So that's four amino acids, and each amino acid takes three nucleotide bases. So that's 12 nucleotide bases that were inserted. And it happens that the U.S. government owns the patent to these enzyme systems, amazingly enough. Right, the bell should be ringing here key. at this point. <clears throat> right, and they are key to the infectivity of this virus. So and let me, then, uh, uh, so let me interrupt you just for a second. You, you've got so much there and um, the media, the mainstream media, which I now call the mainstream machine, <clears throat> likes to say that the there's no science there. And what you just <clears throat> laid out is the science there. And when people right. refer to gain of function research, what you're basically saying at the layman level is that um, in a lab, people are are modifying they're adding pieces and parts right to make this virus um a, a, a more deadly or a more uh, severe virus is that is that basically right so it can actually infect people because it normally yeah. didn't have that capability and and again it doesn't bother me that mainstream media uh, doesn't like this, you know, I, yeah. I joined American Heart in the mid 1970s and I was put on three committees as a result of being the youngest person. One of those was the physician cluster education faculty. So I went around the country. I'm one of those doctors that actually changed all those numbers. I was part of that team. I okay. went around talking to the lay public and to physicians and, 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 and uh, we made those changes. <clears throat> but in 1994, I presented uh, what was called the inflammation of heart disease theory at the time. It's had several different names, but it's this inflammation and blood clotting response. And I said, look, um, this was at 1994 as a member of American Heart, as a faculty member of American Heart. Um, and I said, you know, it's not just cholesterol. A cholesterol does play a role. It plays a different role in different people. Mm -hmm. But it plays a role, as do triglycerides and homocysteine and fibrogen, like protein, and a whole bunch of other things, including viruses and bacteria. Now, I got told at that meeting I didn't know what I was talking about. And then I presented it again in 95. Again, I didn't quite know what I was talking about, but there was a little bit of weakness because some of the stuff that I had presented had, had been proven in that one year. <clears throat> and then it went into a textbook in 99 and from 2000 to 2003, I did bacterial studies to show their role in heart disease and how you could treat them. And that, you know, became pretty well entrenched. And then in 2004, I was on 2020, you know, mainstream media. Yeah. Um, and at that point in time, I thought I had pretty much, well, I mean, that was uh, 94 to 2004. That was an 11 year period of time that that took. That theory, even though a lot of people misquote it, is now the standard accepted theory of what causes heart disease. So wow. it's not considered even a theory anymore. Right. So what was heresy at, at one time is now the model, oh, sure. even though people um, <clears throat> do a poor job of referring to it. That's so, the truth about science, though, right? I mean, you know, people are ridiculed for beliefs until they're proven to be correct, right? In 
Yeah, and and I don't. So just to take issue on that one term belief, I don't really right. express my beliefs. Um, I and, and I don't really express opinions. Not not. I mean, certainly not in public. I don't. Right. I don't have that yeah. luxury. Right. Because the. The first time I do that, somebody's going to run after it like a, a wild dog chasing its tail. Yeah. So I don't have that luxury. I, I present only the science that I have, even if it doesn't. Much of what I've been presenting on, on this virus and the vaccines and the drugs for treating it and everything else, I have stepped on toes on both sides of this aisle right. um, and unapologetically, I, you know, I'm. I, I, I don't it doesn't matter to me if it causes somebody hurt feelings because offense isn't given it's taken you know yeah. all I'm doing is presenting the science and if the science shows that the people on either side don't know what they're talking about that's on them that's not right, on right. me you're right and I appreciate that clarification um, and then you're doing the right thing I mean you got to go where the facts take you right so Oh, absolutely. You know, and that's that's how things change over time. I mean, I've had people right. listen to me at lectures and say, well, that's not what you said five or 10 years ago. And, you know, and I, I just kind of chuckle thinking you need a better hobby because nobody's <laughs> life is so boring that they need to be tracking me on the planet. But, you know, and, and, and it's like, you know, well, if you want to know what I'm going to say in five years, I guess come back and we'll see what the data shows, because I'm going to I'm going to say what the data shows, not what you want me to say, because the most critical thing for people to hear isn't what they want to hear. It's what they need to hear. Well, you know, the, the from a political standpoint, the people on the left somehow get away with saying that they evolve and the, the rest of us can't evolve. But scientifically, you have to evolve, right? We have to. So you have to go where the facts take you. And I appreciate that. And a, a couple of questions I have for you is, you know, people point to and say there is really no evidence that, um, you know, the vaccines themselves are harmful. And I've heard you talk about and give the example of the swine flu and, mm -hmm. and the similarities to uh, for which our government really weren't honest with us. Would you share that history, please? Right. So, you know, uh, wow, I was an orderly <laughs> in a hospital <laughs> back uh, in, in the dark ages um, in, uh, in the 70s. Um, I was a medical student in the dark ages from 81 to 85. I, uh, I, I did a research year while I was at it. Um, but when I was an orderly before I, before I uh, was a medical student, um, you know, I remember we had actually a patient in the hospital where I was at. And she had what, what's called Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is the neurologic damage caused by, uh, at that time, the swine flu vaccine. And um, I mean, wow, uh, one person in the city of, uh, of 110,000, so that gives you a perspective of the size city I grew up in, uh, in Iowa, which is uh, not nearly as backwards as some listeners. Well, you're in Wisconsin, so you know Iowa's yeah. not backwards. Yeah. <laughs> I feel your pain. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been in I've been in L.A., you know, and they've kind of taken that attitude. And it's like, yeah, anytime, any place, folks. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember that. And at that point in time, you know, what was really fascinating is 60 Minutes did a dossier, <clears throat> and um, I have a copy of it saved, where 
after about the first 25 people died, and I think there were 52 or 53 or maybe 54 in the end that died. After the first 25 people, the people, you, folks in the U.S. said, wait a minute, there's a problem. We're giving a vaccine. We watch it sequentially. People are getting these diseases, you know, um, or they're dying. Mm-hmm. And I always, I always say, you know, it seems to me that I've heard enough in the last few years of my life here where we're all in this together as a society, <laughs> yeah. right? We're a great, loving society, um, which would suggest that back in the 70s, you know, we were a bunch of people yeah, right. that just literally hated each other, right? So, um, you know, and that was actually coming out of the Vietnam era, or the, my era, so... Um, you know, I guess we were just terrible human beings, but 25 deaths was enough that we said, um, time, <laughs> just everybody stop, you know, and then they, uh, 60 Minutes did this nice dossier where they went to people like uh, Mary Tyler Moore and other people that the government used and said, yeah, these folks got the vaccine and, you know, and, and they held their name out there, but 60 Minutes went after them and showed that they were lying. Um, it's it's extremely disturbing to my little brain, um, and you know, again, I tell people I'm not the warm and fuzzy person that you know, um, I'm I'm the scientist guy, um, uh, and the reality is, you know, we've had I don't care how far off the virus system is. You know, if, if it's 1% or 10% or if it's 100%, you know, so put put one zero or two zero behind the numbers or no zeros. I think at 20 some thousand, we've, we've, we've hit a cap here. That's a little bit more than 25 people. Yeah. So if we're such a warm, loving, embracing, we're all in this together society, I want to know why our attitude has become, mm-hmm. that's nothing, don't worry about it, right? And the CDC, uh, one of the presentations I put out there on Rumble, I've, I've shown the CDC data that's being collected. They're doing a great job. Thank you, CDC, um, for showing that the incidence of these inflammatory thrombotic response diseases um, are going up. Heart disease, right. high blood pressure, diabetes, cancer, strokes, right? And the other thing they're showing is going up or the prion diseases, Alzheimer's diseases, and other neurologic diseases. So they're doing a great job of tracking for us. And back in June of um, uh, 2021, was it just last year? We're having so much fun, time flies. Um, I put on event 2021 and, and pointed out that the animal model data on the spike protein showed that uh, in humanized mice, so mice that cells are altered to look like human uh, epithelial cells of the lungs, the ones that get infected, um, and in uh, and in rhesus macaque monkeys, closest thing to humans mm-hmm. that we have for a primate to do research on, <clears throat> that those animal studies showed um, these prion diseases, this and particularly the brain diseases happening in these animals and extrapolated out from the lifespan of an ant, those animals to the lifespan of, a, of humans, placed it at about a year and a half to start seeing these diseases. Well, the CDC is already confirming we're seeing these diseases uh, a little bit ahead of schedule, nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would say... So all, so you go ahead. So you would say that you know you talked about the data that's coming from 
the CDC, but the fact is that uh, you know there's been a battle to get the true the true data released from not only CDC but pharmaceutical companies and I mean a lot of this has been hidden from the public for some time. Is that correct? Well, I know that there's conversations about it, but there's also a tremendous amount of data that's already out there. I mean, look at the emergency use authorization documents themselves. They're on the mm -hmm. website. If you can't find them anywhere else on my website, um, <clears throat> I've given presentations where I've looked at those EUA documents and I've said, let's take a look at what they show us. Now, there's two sets of numbers. And one of those is called vaccine efficacy. And those numbers are correct. The numbers that they quote for vaccine efficacy are, are correct. But what does vaccine efficacy look at? It looks at how often did somebody who was vaccinated versus somebody who wasn't vaccinated in their study, how often those, did those people come down with what was diagnosed as COVID or die? All right. Mm -hmm. But that is not why you take a vaccine, right? I mean, you take a vaccine, people think they, they're taking a vaccine to keep from getting infected. That's Vaccines have never prevented us from getting infected. They expose you to what we think you're going to get exposed to so that when you do get a, a, infected, your body reacts faster, right? That's the mm -hmm. goal of a vaccine. So the question that should be asked, and the, because it's the question that people justify getting vaccinated for is if I get vaccinated, will it prevent me from getting a diagnosis so sick that I develop the disease, COVID? Mm -hmm. And you know, the other the secondary thing is if I don't get that sick, then maybe I won't pass it on. You know, I'll, I'll recover faster, right? So <clears throat> that is called absolute risk reduction. That's why people get vaccinated. Right. And those numbers are somewhere between 0.8 and 1.2%. Now, when you take that EUA data and you analyze it like a scientist like myself does, I mean, we do something called statistical analysis. And I know that makes people's eyes glaze over because they're not really excited about it. They don't understand it. It's a bunch of numbers. I get it. <laughs> But my nonetheless, favorite, that's my favorite I'm, subject yeah. in college, actually, statistics. So I'm Statistical a weirdo. Analysis. <laughs> okay, so um, we use that because it allows us to do something unique. It allows us to say, is what I think I'm seeing significant? Significant mm -hmm. enough that I can conclude there's a benefit in this case, right? And it turns out that if you run the numbers on on on, uh, on Pfizer, it turns out that there's no statistical difference between the people who got vaccinated and didn't get vaccinated as to whether they developed COVID or died. If you run those numbers on Moderna, the same thing's true. There's no statistical difference between the people who got vaccinated and the people who didn't. If you run the numbers on Janssen, which is what most people refer to as Johnson & Johnson, but Janssen's the company that makes the vaccine okay. out, of, out of Belgium, um, they, they reported a little bit more data, and they looked at both 14 days, two weeks, and 28 days, four weeks. And at 14, week, or 14 days, two weeks, there was a statistical reduction in the number of people who ended up being diagnosed with COVID 
who got vaccinated at 0.05, which is the cutoff. It means five times out of 100. At two weeks. 20. But two weeks, at, at two weeks. But at four weeks, when they re-examined anybody and did the, the statistical analysis, that went away. That went poof. Wow. So it no longer, the, the effect was, the benefit was lost at, at two weeks or at four weeks. Um, so I guess you can make an argument for getting vaccinated every two weeks that you might, you know, <laughs> yeah. get a benefit. Um, now, so that's the, that's, see, and that data was published. So my little brain says, wait a minute. Um, I'm a scientist physician. I'm a physicist, nuclear cardiologist. Um, I ran the numbers. They're not statistically different. We're, who did this at the FDA? Did anybody bother to run the numbers at the FDA? Nobody's questioned uh, the numbers since then. I mean, I've posted, I've done talks. You can go find the bloody slides yourself where I leave the numbers out there for you to well, see. Well, you know, um, I, I, I want to just interject something in here that, um, now this is just my opinion, but I believe that people are being purposely misled to believe that the vaccines, so-called vaccines, themselves are the same, we followed the same uh, practice, the same science to create these vaccines that we've always followed, but that's not the truth. What is the difference between how we normally create a vaccine versus how these were manufactured? Right, uh, well, a lot <laughs> is the short answer to that. Um, I mean, routinely what we've done in the past is we've taken, let's say a virus, Okay. And viruses come in many flavors, kind of like people. You know, you look at a room full of people, you, that's people, but none of them look the same, right? They're all variants. Okay. Right. Um, and so in the past, what we've done is we've taken vaccines, we've taken the whole virus because we want you to be able to recognize every part of it. You know, if something change on one, changes on one part, but doesn't change on another part, um, your body will we'll say that's fine, it's still the same virus, <clears throat> okay? So we take all the viruses, all the variants and all, with all their parts and we weaken them. It's called attenuation, we weaken them. And then we develop these vaccines. We, we first, you know, run computer models on them. Then we run animal models on them to see how the animals respond. And in the process, then we, then we begin human trials, phase one trials, where we start to figure out what dose is right and what the side effects are going to be. And you do that in phase one or healthy people that don't have anything else going on. Um, so you can basically, you know, start gathering real information. <clears throat> and then you progress to phase two trials where you start bringing in people with the health problem that you're concerned about and, and, and the groups of people that you think you're going to, in this case, vaccinate. So you know what the effect will be in those groups. <clears throat> and then you carry out phase three, which are just larger trials, more long-term data so that you can really say, okay, we, we have enough now to feel comfortable about, you know, and it was very clear. I mean, the EUA documents not only didn't statistically show any benefit, but they didn't show data for pregnant women. They didn't show data for children. They didn't show, I mean, there's a lot of data missing there and they, and they actually just state that in the documents. So, you know, over my head about why, why all this passed, because I'm just, you know, me <clears throat> clearly not as smart as the FDA, right? Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, we, we do that approach. And then what happens is that 
you know, if something changes on the virus, you know, I mean, the, the coronaviruses, for example, have spike proteins, they have membrane proteins, they have envelope proteins, they have other nucleocapsid proteins, they have hemagglutinin and, and, and other types of proteins are attached there. Um, so that you recognize if there's changes, that's okay. Not everything's gonna change as rapidly, so you develop an immune response. So what we did this time around, somebody had had the great idea, and they've been working on this for decades, so they were they you know trying to find a model to, to make this a useful approach, is they took the nucleotide sequence, the mRNA, uh, for the Pfizer Moderna, and they made DNA equivalent out of it for the Janssen and the AstraZeneca ones of the spike protein, just the spike protein. Now, that data looks at the original variant, which is so called SARS-CoV-2 Wuhan HU1. So you're hearing about Omicron, and there's two Omicrons, yeah. 21K and 21L. Um, and there were three Delta variants and there's, you know, Mu and Lambda and all, all we've done is kind of teach some of you that the Greek, al Greek alphabet. Um, and, and so those change over time. And what happened was um, there's something called pressure selection. So typically this is with antibiotics. If you use antibiotics too much, you kill off the bacteria that, you know, can be killed by the antibiotics, but the ones that are resistant, well, they live and they thrive. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you get people to the place where the antibiotic won't work for them anymore. Um, and that's that's how antibiotic resistance occurs, but it's called pressure selection. You're putting pressure on it to select out the organisms that will thrive under those circumstances. So what we did, and the same thing's true of the monoclonal antibodies, by the way, this needs to be clarified because people are saying monoclonal antibody, monoclonal antibody, yay, go give them. Uh -huh. No, those monoclonal antibodies were developed to the spike protein of Wuhan HU1, right? So right. the argument is, is specific, that- Specific target. Specific target, and mm -hmm. that target has changed. Right. So those monoclonal antibodies uh, do not go after the variants, okay? Any more than than uh, the vaccines do. That's why we're getting what, what some people call breakthrough, but it's not really breakthrough. It's pressure selection because it's still, the vaccines are still knocking out, you know, allowing people to knock out the HU1. So what's left? Well, the the others, you know, the alpha, the beta, so the, the, the gamma, the so delta. The, the, yeah. So the question, the question then becomes, why would you take an injection that targets something that you you don't even have, right? I mean, why would you why would you continue to take vaccinations that really are targeting something completely different because it's not going to help you? Um, I think that's a great question, and little old me, again, I'm just a <laughs> physicist, nuclear cardiologist, doesn't understand why the people who claim to be immunologists aren't any better at this, right? So because did, I just look at it and go, I'm sorry, my dad and mom would have looked at you. Common <laughs> sense, right? Uh, yeah, you know. That's, you know what they say about common sense. But um, so the spike proteins, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of information about spike proteins and the numbers of spike proteins that form in your body, the mm -hmm. damage that they do. So when we, we, we hear statistics like, um, I think, I believe it was a military uh, study. Uh, cancer going up by 300 percent in 18 to 49 year olds. Um, the thrombosis uh, 
you know, uh, are these things tied directly to the spike proteins being used, or what is your, what are your thoughts right. on that? Right. So one thing to, to just caution, don't use percentages. Percentages are the way that people get misdirected. Uh -huh. So let's do a quick example. Um, somebody leaves you 50% of their inheritance and they're a millionaire. You just got $500,000. Right. <laughs> somebody left you 50% of their inheritance and they had $20 in the bank. You got $10. <laughs> I think you would agree there's a difference between $500 million and $10. So absolute numbers are critical. These percentages are cutesy playing with the numbers and, and, and you can't statistically analyze them. They don't fall because they're not a yeah. measurement. I get right? you. Fair enough. Um, now, um, if, if you look at what's going on, we're having two types of diseases. The same thing I said in 1994, inflammation and blood clotting. Some people have incorrectly called this cytokine storm. Why? Cytokine storm is a term that Big Pharma came up with. Cytokine storm means that you release chemicals that kill cells. Those are called cytokines, cell killers, okay? okay. But they're only part, they're a, they are a small fraction of what happens. Now, why did that term get coined? Because Big Pharma came out with drug treatments for certain types of cancers. They took your T cells, which are part of your immune system, chemically altered them outside the body. Uh, yeah, that's the same thing we're talking about with gain of function, same technology and then put them back in the body. And what happens is the body says, wait a minute, that's not part of me and attacks it. And chemicals get released. Some of those are called cell killers or cytokines. And then Big Pharma said, well, wait a minute, tell your patients it's okay. It's just cytokine storm and they'll be okay. And what does that do? Well, everybody says, well, if you've got a name for it, um, okay, I, 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 okay. I'll keep taking the drug, right? Right. So that's how that term got coined. And it got coined in the last 15 or 20 years or so after the inflammothrombotic response theory. But the inflammothrombotic response theory that I explained in 94 has cytokines, interleukins, um, growth factors, a variety of leukotriene compounds, clotting factors, all of which produces inflammation and blood clotting. So to call it cytokine storm is to kind of like go out into somebody's driveway that has four tires and say, there's a car. No, <laughs> there's four tires. Right, right. You're missing a lot of stuff to make a car. Okay. So um, <clears throat> I want to make sure that we got that point. What was your, let me take, give me your question again. So I, I, I got off on this. So I was talking about spike proteins and uh, uh, and right. all of the like the blood clotting and the right. are, are, is there a correlation between the spike proteins in the vaccines and the medical difficulties we'll, we're seeing people have that are okay. being shared? Right. So the the vaccines, except for Novavax, don't have spike protein. They have the genetic sequence that your cells then make the spike proteins from. And gotcha. yes those spike proteins are causing the inflammation and blood clotting. And then when they get to other tissue, they cause these prion diseases quite, quite very specifically. Okay. Um, it's interesting to note that, you know, the Novavax vaccine just, you know, has to be grown in moth cells, M-O-T-H. 
cells because the viruses that are used to get that to happen won't even infect humans. So Novavax is, you know, somebody had to be working on this idea a long time uh, ago because this isn't even something that's designed to go into a human cell. It has to go into a moth cell and then be harvested out and put together and it with a bunch of irritants added to it to inject into people to get an immune response. But anything that goes into your body that's not normally part of your body will make an immune response. So why do people have these problems? Well, in the early <laughs> two, 27 months, and now we're talking the early days of <laughs> SARS-CoV-2, the people that died were the people that already had inflammation and blood clotting, this inflammatory response, these diseases already going on, right? Older people, overweight people, people with heart disease, diabetes, all the inflammatory response diseases, and all they needed was one more insult to injury to cause them to die and not get treated. So they didn't get treated. They got put on ventilators at the incorrect setting. The end result was they died. Now what we're seeing is a different group of people. We're seeing relatively healthier people have the problem. Well, why is that? Well, because when person to person, or you know, if you really want to get generous, ten thousand virus particles, right? You, you cut out All there right. for you cut out there for a little bit. I, I think you were saying person to person. Uh... What, transference? Right. Is that true? So person-to-person -person transference of, of SARS-CoV-2 uh -huh. will transfer hundreds or thousands or maybe 10,000 if you really want to be generous. All right? Okay. Now, when, when the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are given to people, they encode for 13.1 billion spike proteins. Wow. That's enough to make that. When... Janssen and AstraZeneca are injecting to people. That's 50 billion. So you get the difference in the picture. We're talking person to person, mm -hmm. thousands or maybe 10,000. So not as big a response, except if you've got all these other diseases. Now you take somebody healthy or with a decent immune system and you expose them to billions and they make an immune response. And what is that immune response? Well, according to Fleming's 1994, it's inflammation and blood clotting. And what are we seeing? Inflammation and blood clotting. And is right? this is this um, is it and compounded by is it compounded by uh, the boosters or what does the body do with the boosters as it relates to those spike proteins? Right, so routinely what a booster does is it tries to encourage your body to make more of a response than it already was before. You know, Paul, I think there's a point of confusion here for people that when you develop an immune response initially, you're gonna develop um, T cell responses, which have all these chemicals. It's called the innate, I-N-N-A-T-E response. Mm -hmm. And then you're gonna develop a delayed humoral, H-U-M-O-R-A-L response, which is the antibody type response. And then when you don't need that anymore, when your body senses, recognizes, okay, it's over, most of those cells get taken apart and you make memory cells. A memory so that when you get exposed again, your, your immune system says, wait a minute, we've seen this before, uh, gear up and attack, right? Mm -hmm. 
Now, if those memory cells are to a different type of spike protein and that's not what's coming into you, you're not going to get a very fast response, right? Because it's it's not going to recognize it. It's different, right? Mm -hmm. But um, in, in response to what that means is that if you go and you get your blood drawn, you're looking for antibodies, you're not going to see antibodies floating around specific to this coronavirus because it would be a waste of the, your resources of your body and and the materials of your body to constantly make antibodies or t-cell chemicals to things that you do in your body your blood would be so thick it wouldn't flow it would just clot <laughs> you'd be dead right and you wouldn't you'd be wasting all your resources so you don't make that so when you get another booster you're, you're, it, it stimulates your memory cells to make more antibody and more T cell response. But then what's your body going to do? It's going to say, OK, uh, now that the booster's over and I'm not seeing this coming into the body. Well, I'm going to go back into quiet quiescent mode and quit wasting resources because I'm not being infected right now. So, you know, all it's going to do every time is produce a more significant response. Because it's going to say, if it's the same thing, it's going to go, wait a minute, here it is again. Make, wrap it up, ramp it up. And you are, yes, if your question is, does it increase the likelihood of you having a bad outcome? The answer is, yeah, it should. Because it's supposed to gear up your immune system to react again. And if it's already been primed to react, you should see more and more of a response. Now, what we do see in the studies that were published is that people... Uh, that have been vaccinated, uh, when they look to see whether that immune response is really geared up, just with the vaccines up front, the first and second doses, what we see is a reduction in interferon, which is necessary to fight viruses. We see a reduction in T helper 2 cells, which is part of what primes for the antibodies to be formed. And we see a reduced ability to form an immune response to the influenza vaccine when that is given after the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. So none of that is even good from that point of view. So you have no statistical evidence of benefit. You have increased potential for inflammation and blood clotting, inflammatory thrombotic response, and potential prion diseases as the spike proteins are made. You have uh, a reduction of your uh, innate and humoral immune system and a reduced ability to form antibody and, and immune responses to other diseases that you need to form an immune so, response to. So let's, let's, let's shift our focus. Now, all of this that we've discussed leads us to one question. Why? Why? So we have to start talking about the, the, the legality. Now, you mentioned right. at the very beginning of the conversation that, you know, uh, you answered my question. And you said, is it a, it's a violation of a treaty that we had signed, mm -hmm. a biological weapons treaty. You referenced, um, I think it's Article 6 of the Constitution itself. Right. And the fact that people in government are taking an oath to uphold the Constitution. And you mentioned the word treason. And... Uh, I have a uh, upcoming documentary that will deal with this whole topic and specifically try to to reach that endpoint as to what is treason and does this fit the fit that definition. But um, what is what have your efforts been and what are your ongoing efforts in relation to these crimes? And would you go as far as saying that these uh, reach the level that the Nuremberg Code addressed after World War mm -hmm. II, and is this really 
something that should be considered genocide in your mind. Uh, so let's start there. Right. Um, so the reality is that after, I mean, we've done a couple years worth of work here for treatments and diagnostics and addressing the vaccine and, and shedding issues and uh, even looking at what the vaccines look like under the microscope and what the vaccines do when they're given a blood. We've done all of that. We have uh, looked at the origins of, of this gain of function research and how it's played a role in these coronaviruses. And to, to the point that you just made, this is a violation of several treaties that the United States has signed and ratified. You have to look at where the money comes to understand the severity of this. These, And it doesn't just come from the United States, but it comes from, in the U.S., it comes from the National Institutes of Health comes from the National Institutes of Allergies and Infectious Diseases. It comes from several other departments, but it also comes from the Department of Defense. In fact, more than half of the money was paid for for this gain-of-function research that went to, to Peter Dazak at EcoHealth, who then funneled money to Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina and Xi Zheng Li at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It comes from the Department of Defense. Now, I have had people reach out to me asking me last year if I, as a physicist, wanted a position for, uh, for nuclear imaging of coronaviruses being carried out at Fort Detrick, paid for by the National Institutes of Allergies and Infectious Disease. So it's an ongoing project, and they were dumb enough to send me two emails to ask me as a physicist if I wanted to be the phys physicist imaging specialist for these projects. So this is a Department of Defense project as well as others. If the Ukraine did nothing more for planet Earth, it openly exposed the fact that during the same time that Obama shut down gain-of-function research in the United States, we funneled money <laughs> Out of the United States to other countries, including the Ukraine, we've built more than 300 bio labs. Eight of the Ukraine bio labs are run by the Department of Defense. Now, what is the U.S. Department of Defense doing running eight bio labs in the Ukraine that's currently being attacked by Russia? Right, and Russia has made it very Where clear that that's the truth of it. You know, and yeah. isn't it a sad day when you get more truthful answers out of Vladimir Putin than you get out of our own sitting so-called president? And you look at, I want to hit on the money, the money part. Where does Anthony Fauci fit in the money trail of all this? Well, Anthony Fauci with the NIAID directly funneled money out of NIAID to, to Peter Dazak at EcoHealth. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, it when, you, when you come to the Crimes Against Humanity Tour or when you read the book and, and get part of what's in the Crimes Against Humanity Tour book, you see the funding of research by NIH, NIAID, in conjunction with uh, the Chinese uh, scientific institutes, which are run by the Chinese Communist Party. Um, I mean, we, we, yeah, I mean, we, we, we paid for and, and built 
a bioweapon. And this is not obviously the only bioweapon. I mean, we've, we've had, uh, you know, somebody sent me again something today about avian, uh, avian uh, influenza and, and the concerns that they have. And the University of Wisconsin, right up there where all of you were at, uh, was one of the places that leaked uh, before we shut the gain of function down uh, the last go round with Obama, was one of the sources of leakage of these gain of function uh, viruses, you know? Right. So for the U.S. to say we don't build these weapons that are in direct violation of all these treaties, including most significantly the Biological Weapons Convention Treaty, you know, and, and Vladimir Putin, let's be honest, you know, some of the, those, the, Russia was in the Ukraine before we were, and they were working with biological oh, sure. weapons. Yeah, without so a doubt. What, what they're stressed out about, I think, is the fact that not only do we know what they were working on, but they would like to know what we're working on. And guess which country prevented the Biological Weapons Convention Treaty from being able to validate what the other countries were doing? Go ahead. Share that answer. Come to the Crimes Against Humanity Tour and I'll tell you. <laughs> That's a, and, you said you weren't a, and you said you weren't a marketer. <laughs> I have that up on the screen right now. I know you can't see it, but I have the tour up on screen. Uh, folks, I will include all the links in the download or in the uh, download uh, description window so you can see that. But I've got, uh, you've got Dr. Judy Mikovits, Patrick Wood, uh, is it uh, Fulmich, Dr. Fulmich? Right, Rainer Fumich, uh, yes. So you, you, uh, you got this lined up. You're going across the country. I think the closest it comes to me is Chicago. Um, you also have out there, and I want to pop this up. You have a, a website with this video, COVID Crimes, a witness, Dr. Richard Fleming. This I, I highly, highly recommend people go and check it out. I've watched it a couple times. It is chock full of factual data and information that really emphasizes that these things are are deliberate and people people laugh at me when i say something like all oh, the world economic forum you look at the response across the world i mean this is not just the united states as a player in this deception is it no un unfortunately not and both the affidavit which was uh, a signed statement under oath and the the documentary, which is uh, a deposition, was sworn under oath by a real court reporter. And the attorney that's asking me the questions is an actual attorney that has argued and won before the Supreme Court of the United States. And the other thing, you know, why one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on the show is you're not just somebody that's out there saying, oh, well, there should be consequences. I mean, you're doing something about it. And what I, what I have on the screen right now is the affidavit for indictments, and this I will also include uh, in the link, but that opens a specific document, which I'm showing right now, and this, this will be uh, the tool that you use to take literal legal action, and there's all kinds of people that are listed on this, uh, including the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Mm -hmm. uh, direct, uh, director for the Center's Disease Control and Prevention, uh, Rochelle Walensky. There's people who have been, and most importantly, I think, the people who have been out in the forefront perpetrating this on 
the American people and the, the citizens of the world pretty much, but uh, what do you want to say about this effort in particular? Well, the, the real goal is to hold these people criminally accountable. We have to hold these people. We have to hold these people criminally accountable for a number of reasons. First off, the integrity of the United States is at stake here. Okay, we, we have put ourselves out there as the country to be the shining city on the hill to lead the way for what a true republic, it's not a democracy, but the concept's similar, right. to, to do the right thing for the right reasons. And we have repeatedly told the world that as a country, we do the right thing for the right reason. And yet we have repeatedly violated our treaties and developed these weapons that are literally threatening the planet as we speak. We have an obligation to clean up our own backyard so that the rest of the country, the rest of the world doesn't have to come in and clean it for us. We have an obligation to our ancestors who developed this country to stand for the principles that this country stands for. Every country that I talk to, every person in other countries, be they physicians or scientists or, or just individuals that are worried about this, want to know what the United States of America is going to do about it. And what the United States of America must do is to hold these people criminally accountable. There's a lot of fluff out there right now about we're holding grand juries of public opinion. Well, guess what a grand jury of public opinion means? Absolutely nothing. It means that you've got people to say, yeah, that's a bad thing. And what does it get you? Nothing. A real grand jury means that, and this is what we're going to get. I will not stop until we get this. <clears throat> I will not stop until these people are prosecuted. It means that we have a real grand jury where either the governors or the attorney generals of the states or uh, district attorneys or sheriffs or somebody brings it to a real grand jury. A real grand jury is a group of people that the government has said, we're presenting information to you. Does it look like there's sufficient evidence that these people have committed a crime so that we must, we must have the government take them to court and hold them criminally accountable as defendants? This is, this is how, you know, uh, the January 6th event occurred, right? These are right. people that have been taken to a grand jury and the grand jury has, says, yes, indict these people and prosecute these people. So I'm talking about we're going to the governors and the attorney generals and we are going to the powers that be and we are saying, here is the information. You cannot turn a blind eye to it. The book is published. The affidavit is signed and out there. The documentary, the deposition is out there. And the, and the Crimes Against Humanity Tour will make this blatantly obvious and we're gonna take it across the country and point out to people that these crimes have been committed and get the general public. We have a group of women right now called the Val Valkyries, given my, my Nordic ancestry, whose only job is to continue to push the governors and attorney generals to get a grand jury and to get more people involved <clears throat> and produce the, the spread of this so that the people themselves will stand up and say, these people have committed crimes. They have done it in our name, in our country's name. Yes. They have done it uh, to, to uh, that have damaged our lives and the lives of people around the world and put us all under threat 
all interfere and manipulated the power that we gave them. They did not get this power. We the, we the people, <clears throat> the people give the power to the states. The yeah. states give the power to the federal government and the federal government gave these people uh, our money that we earned with our positions to develop these biological weapons in violation of treaties that we, the American people, are responsible for. Well, there's no We're doubt. responsible for there's, these. There's no doubt that the elites have forgotten that they're supposed to be the servants. You have uh, a, a website called at Fleming, FlemingMethod.com, and you have this petition on there uh, for Nuremberg 2.0, and I would encourage everybody to go to, to your website here, and all of these links, again, will be in the description. But um, Nuremberg 2.0, and specifically the... Um, the level of awareness that patients are supposed to be given to decide whether or not they accept the treatment or the treatment protocols. Yesterday, I went to a rally uh, for Scott Shera. His family lost their 19-year-old daughter to mm. the, provid, uh, the protocols for COVID, the refusal to give her ivermectin, the uh, insistence on putting her on a ventilator, and the physicians making the decision that she was a, a DNR, do not resuscitate, themselves against the family's will, and her mother was named power of attorney, and they did it anyway. And this all relates to that. And I think that a lot of people that are out there are saying, well, they can't touch me because of the emergency declaration. I'm not liable for these things. Where are they wrong in that assumption? Um, they are wrong because the emergency use authorization documents are not binding documents. It states so right on the EUA documents. These people are not immune from violations of these treaties. They're not immune from giving informed consent. They're certainly not immune for, for taking power of attorney themselves to provide a DNR, a do not resuscitate order. Um, there's a whole... The immunity that these people think they have, they believe they have because they believe they can continue to manipulate the general public and make them afraid. They continue to believe that they can put enough pressure on the powers that be that the powers that be will not respond. And I'm here to show them that the powers that be are the American people and the American people will put pressure on these, on the, on the powers, on the, on the governors, on the attorney generals, on all the people in power to have a grand jury, that we will make it uh, a requirement that a grand jury, and remember who sits on the jury in the yeah, real courtroom? Exactly. We, the people, and okay. I've had my time in court where we, the people, didn't get to hear the real evidence, but I will tell you that this time, the real evidence will not be hidden from the people because I'm putting it out there now so that people are aware of it. You had mentioned, you know, following the money, and we talked about the labs being funded to do this uh, gain-of-function research, and you talked about uh, some of the things you referenced, uh, the moth for example, and the fact that that stuff, that technology just doesn't happen overnight, that there has right. to be, there's a, there's a purpose, there is a end goal that uh, is, is out there. And I think that's what people have a hard time grasping. The end goal is that evil, everybody. I mean, they have to understand that, that the, this is evil that we're talking about. But the hospitals in particular, 
Now, they're not too bright about what they're doing because not only do they have the legal issues that you just talked about, but I mean, they're gaining, they're benefiting financially from doing these things. They're benefiting financially to follow these protocols and they're making decisions that are costing people their lives so that they can profit from it. And that I think is, is another money trail, you know, that is gonna show what the motive is in this crime. What do you think about that? I think that once the indictments are handed down, the real fun begins. This is my attorney hat. The real fun begins because then you get to get depositions. Then you get to get more evidence. And the fact that I have this much evidence on these people, I, I, I don't for a moment think that I have the vast majority of information. I think that once we open this can of worms, we're going to find out a lot of things that we're going to have to address. And we're either going to address it or we're going to turn a blind eye. And if we turn a blind eye, the world that we hand to our children and our grandchildren is a worse world than was handed to us. And mm -hmm. that's the thing that people need to realize. This is not going to be done without a cost. The founding fathers didn't do what they did without a cost. They pledged to each other their lives, their 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 uh, their treasure, uh, and and their sacred honor. Right. Okay. And their blood. And, and and their blood. And every one of them, they went after everyone, and they would have each one of them uh, suffered the consequences had had we lost. But they made a decision that what they wanted to leave their children and their grandchildren and future generations was something better than what was given to them. And this is the time that people have to decide. This is not going to yes. go away. This this perception that there somehow is a lull that we're going back to a new normal. Oh, there's a new normal coming. That new normal is continued perpetual uh, manipulation of people. And every time you acquiesce to it without holding people accountable, you end up with fewer and fewer freedoms. You know, the founding fathers pointed out quite, uh, quite, quite clearly that if you're willing to surrender your freedom for security, you will have neither freedom right. nor security. Yeah, that's one thing that I, that my viewers hear me say over and over, is that my legacy, uh, realizing that three generations down the road, you know, my, my uh, descendants won't know a lot about me that the legacy that we all need to have is the future of freedom for the people of our country, uh, our, our relatives, our descendants, and going forward, there's no, there's no greater legacy to leave than freedom in my mind. And that is why people, the skepticism about, oh, well, you know, they're, they're too high up the ladder to ever get consequences. We need to leave that thinking behind. We need to, uh, get involved, jump in, do what we can, raise our voices, not get violent because that's what they want, uh, but to do things through legal channels, right? And uh, hold these people accountable and to stop saying, I'm just too busy. My, I, Someone else will have to do it. My life is too busy. I can't do that. I'm concentrating on, uh, you know, feeding my family. Well, it's going to lead to exactly what you just said, where, you know, you don't have the freedoms you have anymore. And I think people have to look to Canada and people have to look to Australia and realize that if it wasn't for our Second Amendment rights, we probably would be much further down the road to where to be where they're at. So, you know, I 
I, I want you to close with your thoughts as to if, if you see this uh, happening today, what are the major barriers to making this accountability part happen and what can people do to, to impact and remove those barriers? The only thing that allows these barriers to exist are the lack of action by the people. Good men need do nothing for evil to prosper. Doing nothing will allow these barriers to stay up and these people to continue to get by with what they are doing. And they are learning, they are learning. They're not just people in power. They are learning what the responses of the people are. They are learning how to play this game from what we do. And the only way that you stop this is to say, these people can be taken down. Every leader in history, <clears throat> Every group in history who thought that they were invincible are gone. Right. Every one of them right. are gone. The only way that this type of person is allowed to continue is the acquiescence of the people from doing anything. You remember World War II. The United States didn't want to get into World War II. You remember right. that? Yep. Mm -hmm. We had to be bombed to shock us into, I guess, we're a part of this. Well, guess what, folks? We're a part of this. Amen. Yes, look at are. yourself in the mirror. Look at your children today and tomorrow and the next day. Look at your spouse. If you're a woman, look at your husband. If you're a husband, look at your wife. <laughs> you got it. Um, look at the people you care about and ask yourself a question. Are you going to stand up for those people. This isn't about medical freedom. This isn't about me. This isn't about anybody except the people we care about, our children and our grandchildren. Yes, it's literally a battle of epic proportions. It's a biblical battle. It is a battle of evil, uh, good versus evil, and complacency is condoning evil, basically. So you, People, I, I hope that uh, you follow through with the links that are given. Uh, I hope that I hope that your your tour is oversold everywhere, and you have to add new dates. I hope that people, you know, really take this serious. And I th I have to say, you are uh, an amazing gentleman. You're brave in what you're doing. We all know how things. How things can go so you know you are in my prayers and i i pray for your protection and and the continued uh that your efforts continue and are realized i think that uh and this is just me again i'll throw my opinion in there and uh i, I don't necessarily want you to get political but i'm political and i will say that this is all what the problem with donald trump was Donald Trump is not an inside player. He's not a part of the machine. He's not part of the, in my opinion, I think that he has, because of his presidency, so much corruption has been exposed that uh, that is why the use of division, whether it's race or it's gender or whatever pronouns you say or don't say, or that is the real truth, that a lot of this is being is the reaction of fear from our enemies and they let's not make any mistakes about it they are enemies to humanity not only to our country but to humanity uh closing thoughts what would you like to share with people 
my only thoughts are that these were violations of treaties that we signed. This is a biological weapons convention treaty violation, clear and simple. Other violations of the Nuremberg Code, International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, Helsinki Accord, AMA Code of Ethics, and for the people who took oaths, this is treason. This is an opportunity for the American people to stand up at a point in time after being inundated with numerous losses and a numerous number of individuals that have, that have died as a result of this, and to say enough is enough. This is an opportunity to learn more and to get actively involved or to go quietly into that good night. And since I'm not going to go quietly into that good night, the only thing I can do is ask for people to participate because it's the actions of common, ordinary, everyday citizens that have always turned the tide of a wrong. And this is their opportunity to get involved and make a difference that they and their children and their grandchildren can be proud of. Amen. Dr. Fleming, thank you so much for your time. It's been a, a pure pleasure, and I hope to talk with you more frequently. Uh, as always, uh, you, are, you, you are now a friend of mine, and if I can be of assistance in any way, I would certainly be happy to do that. So thank you very much, and God bless My you. My pleasure. Thank you. Hey Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. I love my pillow products. I use them. I can say that they are simply the best quality that you will find anywhere. And you can help us all out, all Patriots, including Mike Lindell, and our mission to restore America by going to MyPillow.com today and using code TPR. That stands for the Patriot Review, so it's easy to remember. TPR. Save up to 66%. You can also order by calling 800-519-9927. Again, that's 800-519-9927. Thank you and God bless. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. That is today's show. I hope that you uh, got a good balance of in-depth scientific information and information on what's going, what's really going on behind the scenes and what we can do about it. Uh, join me. I will be back next weekend. And... I look forward to, uh, as I said, having Dr. Fleming involved in uh, some future projects. So uh, check out the links below. Make sure that you visit his sites. Check out his book. And I will see you all next week. Happy Easter and God bless you all.